How many of y'all believe that God is in control? God is in control. I want to encourage you today that to let you know that the Lord is indeed in control. And I want to prove it today that God is in control. And listen, because he's in control, I believe we ought, watch this, let him have control. How many of y'all have let God have control of your life? Have you let God have control of your life? You need to. And if you hadn't today, you need to. Oh, yes. Turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 17. Revelation 17. We're continuing our study in the book of Revelation. The title of the message today is God is in control, and therefore, will you let him have control? Now, I know it seems like God is not in control these days. It seems like things are falling apart at the seams. It seems like things are spinning out of control. But I came to tell you today that God indeed is still on his throne. He is still sovereign, and therefore, you can be encouraged today. Y'all look up here just a moment. I said, look up here just a moment. Hello. Please listen. How many are anxious these days? How many are worried these days? How many are troubled these days? Why? If the Lord is in control, then why are we so worried? If the Lord is in control, then, then why is it we're so stressed out? If the Lord is in control, why is it that we're so fearful? Is it that we're really not trusting the Lord? Is it that maybe we just need to be reminded that God is in control? Now, listen to me. That doesn't mean that we're robots. That doesn't mean that God is going to make us like robots. Rather, that means that we are free moral agents. We live in a world that's sin-cursed. And that's why it seems like God is not in control. It, things are happening at lightning speed that we can't control. Watch this. There's some things happening right now in your life, aren't they? Right now in your family, you can't control. And if you're not careful, you and I can get in a state of anxiety because we are not in control. And that's the message that the Lord has been quickening in my heart ever since this coronavirus started. We are not in control. Listen, so the best thing for us to do today is say, Jesus, take control of my mouth. Did you hear me? I said, take control of my mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Take control, watch this, of my emotions. When's the last time you said, Lord, Take control of my thought life. Today, maybe those negative thoughts are not of God. And maybe God is saying to you, you're living in fear because you've been thinking negative thoughts. And you're living in anxiety and you're living in times of uh, anger and resentment because your thought life is not under my control. Some of us today need to get to the altar and submit our thought life to God. Some of us today need to put our tongues on the altar. <laughs> it reminded me of, I think, John Wesley was preaching, and one lady uh, came, she said, to, after his message, said, I need to come to the altar, put my tongue on the altar. He looked at her and said, bless God, it won't fit. Amen. <laughs> anyway, hey, we have, look here. Have you put your family on the altar? How many of us today are worried, sick, because of stuff going on in our family? How many today are concerned about our children and grandchildren that aren't really spiritually where they ought to be? Y'all listen to me. And the storms are going to come. How many know what I'm talking about? 
the trouble's going to come to our children and grandchildren, and many of them are not where they ought to be spiritually, and therefore it's going to really be a very, very difficult thing in their life. I, I'm not saying this any other reason, but y'all listen to me. I love you. I'm in the same boat everyone else. Many of our family is pursuing money and pleasure in this life, and they don't have time, or they're not serving the Lord, or they're not really feasting, or, and I'm not saying this critically, I'm just stating a fact. They're not feeding on spiritual truth, right? Come talk to me, somebody. This means yes. This means yes. Are you agree with me? This means yes. Are you agree with me? This means yes. And you know what I'm saying is true. Now, you say, but I can't control that. Yes, you can. You can pray about it. God is in control. He definitely is. Speaking of in control, look at the book of Revelation chapter 17, all right? Revelation 17. We're going through the study of Revelation. Now, some of you say, I've never heard this message before. Have you ever heard a message preached on Revelation 17? You probably hadn't. Maybe you have. Probably very few. Have you ever studied the book of Revelation 17? If you came today, you say, you know, I want to learn something I hadn't known. You came to the right place. If you just want something that you, you know, I already know that, and yeah, I'm familiar with that. Do you want application to your life today? Do you want to take relevant prophecy and futuristic uh, truth and make it incorporated into your daily life? You came to the right place. But let's just don't hear the word. Let's do the word. I wonder today, as I share with you, there are four evidences to absolutely give us confidence, assurance that God is in control. God is in control. Revelation chapter 17. Here they are. Is God in control spiritually? We'll see that. Chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Two, is God in control politically? Wow! It don't look like it. Politically, pastor, man, it's a... Just a hoopla of events. No, God's not in control politically. He can't be. Y'all listen, don't put all your eggs in your political basket. Put your eggs in God's basket. That's the trouble with a lot of us. We're putting our trust and faith in the politicians instead of the Word of God. And we'll come away absolutely sadly disappointed and uh, put our trust in things that God told us never to put your trust in completely. Rather, put your trust in Him. Thirdly, is God in control militarily? We'll see that very clearly. Not only uh, politically, verses 6 through 13 of Revelation 17, but number three, militarily. Verse 14, 15, 16 of Revelation. And then finally, is God in control not only spiritually and politically and militarily, but is God in control eternally? I say, yes, he is. We'll see that in Revelation 17, verses 17 and 18. But the, here's, the, here's the practical question. Not as in God in control, but are you letting him have control? Are you cooperating with him? You say, I am. Really? Are you? I'm not saying, watch this. I thought about it when I was on my way to church. Here's most of our uh, response to God. God, I got my own agenda. I've got my plan, and I just want you to get in on what I'm doing. Instead of us getting in on what God's doing, we want God to get in on what we're doing. And the Lord doesn't bargain like that. 
We have got to learn to get in on what God's doing in our life, submit to Him, His Lordship, come under His authority, instead of us doing our own thing and wanting Him to bless it. We have got to learn, and God teach me how to cooperate with you. How not to be led of the flesh, but be led of the Spirit. How not to be uh, with my own mindset and I can figure everything out, but rather watch this, get in touch with God, get in tune with God, get in step with God. Listen, that will never happen to you or me until we surrender our heart to Jesus Christ. Have you really, I didn't say have you been saved. I, I'm not talking about being saved right now. I'm talking about coming under the Lordship of Christ. I'm talking about yielding your family, your finances, your future to the Lord. Have you done that lately? Have you yielded your circumstances that you can't control to the Lord? Well, today you can do that, and I believe God wants you to do that today because you've been trouble sick. You've been disturbed. We have been, and I know I'm right there as well. Hey, pastoring your church isn't easy. It's always rewarding, but all the responsibilities and all the issues and all the death and sickness and, and uh, all the ramifications of things going on, I need God. I need God. I'm inadequate. I'm insufficient. And not only that, but things in my own family. You need God. I need God. So, Revelation chapter 17, turn there, please. First of all, notice in verse number 1. Now, we're going to see a picture of this end-time scenario that I think is just around the corner. The rapture could happen any moment. Yesterday, we was working. And two uh, of the grandchildren of our one dear lady lived in the community, Eileen Hodge. How many remember Eileen Hodge? Diane was here yesterday. Her two grandsons, Barry and Randy, came with their two wives. We stood out there at the cemetery talking and reminiscing about old times. And anyway, the conversation came up about Bible prophecy. I was absolutely encouraged that Randy's wife, Joy, said, I am absolutely fascinated with the, the Bible in regards to Revelation and Daniel. And uh, she said she studied it and so forth and so on. I said, well, hallelujah. Needless to say, we talked a lot about that. And I'm telling you today, there are people out there hungry for the Word of God. And I'm glad that you're hungry for the Word of God and that you want to God to heaven's best in your life and in your family. So we began to reminisce about that. And so this woman, this described, watch this, I'm going to show you a picture in a moment, and I want to get it in your mind. There's a hideous beast that we're going to see in Revelation chapter 17. It's none other than the political antichrist. I say political as in this political ruler during the tribulation. Hey, chronologically speaking, I believe this event in Revelation 17 will happen, watch this, right after the rapture of the church. Rapture of the church could happen any moment. No signs need to take place. The Lord's coming again. Hallelujah. How many of y'all believe the Lord is coming again? I'm telling you, I'm talking with people all the time. They're saying, Pastor, like you're seeing, they're saying, I never would. I say this every Sunday. God's getting our attention. God is in control. The rapture will take place immediately at the beginning of the tribulation. This passage will be relevant and therefore, it could just be a few months away or a year or so away. This event that we're going to be reading, I said it could. I didn't say I know when it is. I said it could. Revelation 17, the false church, this woman is riding. This woman is riding on a beast. This beast has seven heads, seven heads. Say that with me. 
Seven heads. Say that with me. Seven heads. Say that with me. Why am I asking you to say that? Because this can get very confusing. And if you don't put on your thinking cap this morning, you're going to be looking out the window in just a few minutes saying, what in the world is he talking about? Seven heads. I'm sorry. Yes, seven heads and ten horns. Ten horns. Say that with me. Ten horns. I'm giving you this preliminary background because if I jump right in the text, it's going to lose a lot of you immediately. Your mind's going to say, what in the world are they talking about here? I'm kind of summarizing before we read the text where you'll know what we're reading and how it applies to today. How many heads? Seven. How many horns? Ten. Very good. And we're going to see who these ten horns are and even speculate about the seven heads. Watch this. A woman is riding on a beast. Have you ever studied Revelation 17? This is going to happen. I'm telling you, God is setting the stage right now for this stuff to happen. It seems like we, the people of God, need to know what's going on in our world and therefore not be deceived, not be misled, not think that uh, and put our, again, uh, a lack of uh, trust in the Lord. This woman is a religious ruler, a false apostate church, all right, riding on a beast. This is all planned in God's overall scheme of things. And I want to tell you something. Y'all listen. We are heading there right now like never before. I can see it as clear as day. Here's this woman I told you about. She's riding on a beast. There are seven heads and ten horns. Who is this woman? How does she fit in God's overall plan? She's riding on a beast. Who in the world and what is this beast all about? Ah, Read Revelation 17. Stand to your feet, please, as we read. Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Underline that word waters. I told you I've already lost some of you right there, hadn't I? Man, it's hard to keep up with this. These are a lot of details. This is in-depth Bible study. This is not for little baby Christians. This is for a deeper study of the people of God to think, be thinkers. Robbie Zachariah used to say, my people need to think. We don't need to just feed on the milk of the Word. We need to get in the meat. Amen. So here, verse 1, this great harlot is uh, sitting upon many waters. What's that word, waters? If you draw a line over there to verse 15, look at verse 15, please. And he said unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. In other words, I thought I'd go ahead and point that out because I'm telling you there's a lot of symbolic language here. There's a lot of apocalyptic literature here. And the people of God need to know about Bible prophecy. After all, it's 30% of the Bible. Hello. And so look what happens. With whom, notice verse 2, he's talking about this angel, one of the seven angels. He comes and he sees this woman, this great harlot, riding on a beast. Who is this woman? What's she up to? How does she relate to this beast? What does this beast do? What about these ten horns? Where are these seven heads? Surely this makes sense. Surely this is not garbled. Surely this is not information we don't need. Surely God can apply it to our life. Absolutely. Is God in control? Yes. Look at verse number 2. And with whom the kings of the earth. Notice the kings of the earth. God is in control. Have committed fornication. And that is in symbolic language as in religious, uh, spiritual uh, uh, apostasy and idolatry. 
Uh, wait a minute, I'm going to try to drive this home the best I can. I prayed over this after I got home last night. We worked from 8.30 yesterday morning till about 6.30. And then I was been praying over this all week long. But then I asked God, God, there's no way I can explain this without your help. I need your help, Lord. I need your help. And so look at it, please. In verse number uh, 2, with whom the kings of the earth had committed fornication, and ha inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. This is false religion, beloved, and you don't think it's happening today? Be careful who you listen to. Be careful what books you read. Be careful what so-called Christians are saying today on Facebook and other things. And I'm really amazed at so much false teaching and the lack of really dividing the Word of God, the truth of God's Word, and many of God's people are just swallowing it, hook, line, and sinker, not even knowing the difference in truth and not truth. And I'm not just talking about prophecy. I'm talking about practical living as well. Keep reading now, verse 3. So he carried me away in the Spirit, whether that's bodily or in a spiritual sense, I don't really know. Visionary, God did it. Notice, he carried me, and John is writing this, us in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman. Look at this, a woman riding, sitting, riding on what? A scarlet-colored beast. That word scarlet means red. A scarlet-colored beast. By the way, note this. I thought it was very interesting. The word beast there is therion, the same word used in Revelation 13. And it automatically lets us know who this beast is. It's the Antichrist described in chapter 13. Wait a minute. We read over there in chapter 4 a word used beast in the Bible. And it's not therion. It's zone. Z-O-O-N. I'm telling you, there's ways that God's given us tools to interpret the Bible, to understand the Bible. And you say, but I'm not called to be a pastor. A lot of our families asking questions about this. You and I need to know where we're at, where we're going, and therefore be a witness. Amen. God is in control. All right? Notice verse number 3 again. So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. Here it is up here on the picture. Full of names of blasphemy. Full of names of blasphemy. And then notice, having how many heads? Seven heads. And how many horns? Ten horns. There's the seven heads, and there's the ten horns. Now keep reading verse 4. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet. Look at verse 4. Are you in verse 4? If you are, hold up your Bible. Are you in verse 4? Hold up your Bible. Everybody in verse 4? All right, very good, very good. Here's some pictures of wealth, all right? Verse 4. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And look, verse 5, and upon her forehead was what? A name written. What was the name? Mr. Babylon. Say it with me. Mr. Babylon. Say it with me. How many of y'all came today to want to learn something? Good, good. I came to meet with God. God's got a word for us, but we got to be open to the Holy Spirit of God. The word mystery, by the way, is the word mysterion, which means that which is concealed but needs to be revealed. And other second uh, meaning of the word mystery is meaning something that needs to be explained. Who is this mystery Babylon? Let me just say it this way real quick, and then we'll continue reading. Chapter 17 of Revelation is ecclesiastical Babylon or religious Babylon. Write that down. Revelation 18 is commercial Babylon. 
Now, there is a literal Babylon, which is a literal city which still exists today, and there's a nation called Babylon, which fell during the Medo-Persian reign, and yet this is religious Babylon. Did you get that? When you read your Bible, you need to ask yourself, what Babylon is he talking about? Chapter 17 is what Babylon? Did you all get that? Am I going too fast? Chapter 17 is what? What Babylon? Religious Babylon. Chapter 18 is what? Commercial Babylon. We haven't got to chapter 17 yet, but we're in chapter, um, chapter 18, rather. Religious Babylon. What does that mean? It starts with Nimrod and comes all the way up to a false worship. Man's always wanted to have his own religion and the right to ourselves to worship God as we want and God to get on our plans and us to say we've got a relationship with God but our hearts are far from God is religious hypocrisy, okay? And this is happening today, beloved. I'll be honest with you. And there I go, yet by the grace of God, we got to get serious about this thing. Notice verse 3 again. So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet beast having a blasphemy. Now look at verse 4. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand. Now look at verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the great mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. The word mother there means there's other offspring. Don't you think that if the devil can deceive people today and believe in their worshiping God and they're really not worshiping the God of the Bible, he's going to do it? How many of y'all believe that? I wouldn't dream we'd hear of some of the politicians and some of the government officials saying stuff they're saying, and yet they say, well, I'm a Christian, but they're saying stuff. Or, can I get a witness? And I'm preaching to myself today with the choir. Are we discerning over stuff or not? And not only... Uh, governmental officials, preachers, and so-called Christians. Make it, the Bible told me this, God told me this. It's not even lining up with Scripture. Come on. We need to be discerning. I don't have the whole oath either. either. But my responsibility is to equip you. And, and uh, we need to be studying the Bible, all right? I'm challenging you to dig deeper. I'm challenging you not to just go on a shallow level of your spiritual life. Dig deeper. Go deeper. Yeah. Keep on reading now. Verse number uh, 6. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints and the blood of martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. That is, uh, I wondered. I was confused. I had a level of fear. There's stuff going on right now that it's hard to tell who's telling the truth. I mean, it's hard to tell. In, in our news and, and in our world and all this gimmicks and games, and the people of God just simply turn everything off and say, forget it. I don't even want to know. And our family's watching and people are watching it. We need to be discerning. We need to be discerning these days. Hey, I tell you, God's called us to be witnesses. Yeah, absolutely. Now look at verse number 7. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast and the carried away, which had the seven heads and how many horns? Ten. This isn't just information God doesn't want us to know about. He wouldn't have put it in the book. He wants you to know about it. He wants me to know about it. Keep reading. Don't you believe that? Amen. I believe that. Verse 8. And the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, we looked at that last week, and go into perdition. They that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind of hath wisdom. The seven heads are what? Seven mountains 
on which the woman sitteth. If you're wondering, I'm not going to probably have time to allude to it or, uh, later. There is no doubt there are seven mountains located in Rome today. I've got it on one of my other uh, PowerPoints. I don't have it on here because of a reason. We've got to get permission to show every map and so forth. And I've not got permission, therefore I can't show it. You'll just have to trust me. In Rome, there are seven literal mountains. I personally take the view, the interpretation, these seven heads are seven mountains, meaning the religious apostate church will emerge, at least the infrastructure, in present day Rome. Keep reading. He said, the seven heads are seven mountains which the woman sitteth. Look at verse 10. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. I don't have time to deal with that. No way. I'd have to break that down, and there's no way that I can communicate that. There's various views on who these kings are. Is it uh, the uh, Egyptian and uh, Assyrian and Babylon and Medo-Persian kings and the Grecian kings and the Roman kings? Perhaps. And Sunday school teachers will be very fascinated with what I'm saying right now. Christians in general ought to be fascinated. But look at verse number 11. He said, and the beast was, is, and is not, and he is the eighth, and it is the seventh, of the seventh and go to the perdition. Look at verse 12. You want to know who the ten horns are? Somebody, I mean, when I preach a message like this, somebody say, you'll come to you and say, Preacher, I don't care about the ten horns. I just care about how I'm going to pay my bills. Look, you need to care about the ten horns because we're living in a world right now and God wants you to know how to, what we ought to do. He wants you to know what's coming. Jesus poured his life into those disciples the last week of his life. I'm just trying to tell you that this is very relevant for us today. That's why I keep repeating that. All right, these ten horns, who are they? These ten horns, who are they? The seven heads, who are they? I just told you the seven horns, the heads were. I believe that to be a reference to the mountains that are located in Rome. And there's various opinions, but that seems to be the general consensus. Who are the ten horns? The Bible will explain. We call it apocalyptic literature. If you want to reference Daniel chapter 7, you can go back to Daniel 7 and see these ten kings or horns. Back to 17 of chapter, uh, the book of Revelation. Look at verse 12. Are you taking notes? You might have to get this tape, or I'm glad we're putting it on YouTube because this is a lot of information. I understand. Verse 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are what? They're ten kings. Who are these kings? Are they in uh, operation now? Will they be in operation? You better believe it. God says, I'm setting the stage right now. Things are swiftly moving to the end time. Keep your eye open. Keep looking up. Keep being busy about the master's business because things are happening today like never before. I mean, you can't deny that. I don't know when the Lord's coming. Maybe uh, a thousand years or one day. One day is a thousand years. He's been gone two days. That's 2,000 years. He'd come back in the next day. Hello, that'd be the, the next thousand years. I don't know. I know this. We've got to be ready. I know this, that either we'll go in death or we'll be called in the rapture. And therefore, the Lord's message to us is uh, he's in control. Look at verse number 12 again. And the ten horns which thou source are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Look here. These ten horns, kings, are going to give power to the beast, the political ruler, the Antichrist. God is going to use. He's in control. God's in control spiritually. God's in control politically. God's in control militarily. God's in control eternally. These ten horns are going to give, and they're going to join with the beast, the Antichrist. 
Now all of a sudden begins to make sense. Now all of a sudden the pieces are put in the puzzle. Keep on reading. I want you to get to this part, verse 14. And these shall make war. Look here. These ten kings are going to make war with who? The Lamb of God. Look at verse 14. We are seeing persecution now. You mark it down. We're going to see more and more persecution. Hey, can I just stop there? I know you've been standing a long time. But here's what somebody told me. They said, if so-and-so gets elected this election, we are doomed. I got news for you. Whatever happens will not take God by surprise. So don't panic. Don't fret. Don't get caught up in a frenzy of anxiety because of what people are saying. Get in the book and know that God is in control. Hallelujah. Doesn't that bring assurance to your heart? It should. But if all your eggs are in the basket, political basket, you're going to be absolutely in a frenzy of anxiety because things may not be going the way you want them to go or the way I want them to go, but I'm telling you they're going to go according to God's plan. And therefore, we can trust Him. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. I said, let's do it. I said, let's do it as a church. Let's purpose in our heart to trust God no matter what. Shelly, my mom just had a stroke. I, not mine, yours. She's in the hospital. Things you can't control. Things you can't control. Never to dream she'd had a stroke. Can't use her left leg now. Just got reuse of her left arm. Things like this can throw us for a tailspin. We don't plan this. We don't prepare this. But God knew about it. I said God knew about it. Do y'all believe that? That'll help you. I said that'll help you when things, look, look, please listen to me. That will help you and me when things don't go according to what we want. When God gives you the bad news from the doctor, God's still in control. When your loved one passes away like my dad did, I didn't want it. I prayed to God heal him, but God is still in control. See, a lot of God's people get out of the will of God when something happens and God don't do what you want him to do. Instead, I'm telling you, we want God to be in a box. We got to get out of that mindset. I do too, because it can throw you for tailspin when things happen in your life. And then you mad at God. God, why'd you let this happen? God, I've been trusting you. God, I've been serving you. And I didn't want this. I'm preaching to somebody today. I know. I'm preaching to myself. Keep on reading. Verse number 14. These shall make war with the Lamb. The Lamb shall what? Overcome them. Look at this. Overcome them. For he is Lord of lords, King of kings. Hallelujah. And they that are with him are called and chosen. That word chosen, kaletos. Uh, and that means picked out. They are chosen and faithful. I want to get down to verse 17. And he saith unto me, the waters. Remember what I defined the waters. The waters in verse 1. Which are thou sawest are the, where the horse sitteth. Watch this. This lady right here. The false church is sitting on waters. Literal waters? No. He's fixing to tell us what the waters are. Look at verse 15. Which thou sawest, which the horse sitteth. People, multitudes, nations, and tongues. They are running headlong, people, for false religion. Muslims, the Quran is not the word of God. I'm sorry. And the pearl of great price and other false religions going on today. New age and everything else. There's not, we're not serving the same God. I'm sorry. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And there's other false religions as well. 
Keep reading. Verse number 16. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast shall hate the whore. Look here. These ten horns, look up here. Look up here. These ten horns are going to hate this false religion. These ten kings. Look what happens. The ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast shall hate the whore and shall do what? Make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. God is going to allow the devil's crowd to turn on the devil's crowd. I'm telling you, God's in control. Hallelujah. God's in control. Ezekiel 38, 39, when, it, when the people of God, uh, or rather uh, Russia, Turkey, Iran, other coalition of nations, Meshach, Tubal, Tagarma, and Gog and Magog, when they invade Israel from the north, you know what God's going to do? He's going to confuse them, and they're going to start fighting among themselves. God is in control militarily. And I want to talk for a moment, if I have time, about the Abrahamic Accord that just transpired Thursday of this week and what that means. Okay? I'm not an order all. I'm just, just sharing with you some things the Lord's placed on my heart. Look at verse 17. For, I love this. Underline this. Please don't miss verse 17. This is our text for today. For God had put it in their hearts to do what? To fulfill His will. God has decreed that certain things are going to happen on earth. No, we're not robots, but God said, I'm in control. I put up one, I put down another. I'm allowing this, I'm allowing this, but it's all going according to my plan. And I want to tell you something, I can trust a God that's in control, and you can too. Why aren't you? Why aren't you trusting God? Why aren't you worried? Why are we worried? Why are we fretting? Why are we taking all kinds of medications because we can't deal with stuff going on because we're not trusting God oftentimes. Oh, my, I didn't mean to say that, but I had to say that. Verse 17, for God had put it in the hearts to do what? To fulfill His will. Let's read that together. For God had put it in their heart to fulfill His will. Let's read it again. For God had put it in the heart to fulfill His will. One more time. Do y'all believe that? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. We know that intellectually, but for some reason, practically, we have trouble with that, putting that into practical application. Activation, participation. My prayers, God will help us to learn how to cooperate with Him. Notice this. God had put it in the hearts to fulfill His will. I know I'm taking a long time reading, but there's power in the Word of God. There's more power in the Word of God than there is Randy Reese, okay? Right? Oh, yeah. For God had put it in the hearts to fulfill His will and, he, and, and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God should be what? Fulfilled. And the one which thou sawest is that great city which he reigneth over the kings of the earth. Father, again, oh, God. We need our eyes to be open, our hearts to be quickened, to see what you're up to right now in America, right now on this earth, right now according to your plan, your purpose, your will, your sovereignty, and your word. Now, Lord, there's no doubt that you're in control. I pray, God, you'll help us to let you have control. Areas of our life, that we want to control and we can't control. Some things, Lord, you allow us to make decisions and control, and yet there's some things we cannot control. So we ask now for great grace, and we pray it in thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
I spent a lot, a lot of time, hey, talking about that, but I felt like it was very necessary for us to talk. God's in control. Three, four areas. Number one, he's in control spiritually. He's in control spiritually. Uh, here's the uh, woman that rides on a uh, harlot. Now, let me go to the uh, four reasons, I believe, and I'm going to have to just explain it very briefly. One, he's in control spiritually. We read that chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. All of this is going according to God's will. He's in control politically. He's going to raise up. He's going to put down. Third, he's in control militarily. These ten kings are going to turn on this false religion along with the beast. This hideous creature, this beast will turn on the false religion militarily. And they'll come against the Lamb of God and against his people. It's, we're seeing precursors today where that's already happening. We shouldn't be surprised. But more so, God's in control eternally. Verse 17 and 18. Look, God has put it in the hearts of kings to fulfill his will. Man, man, when I read that, I just think, God, you're a great God, a mighty God. Is God really in control spiritually? The woman which is arrayed in purple and scarlet, colored and decked with gold, precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. God is in control spiritually. The Lord is allowing this false apostate church, which started not only with Lucifer wanting to be God, but even trace it back to Nimrod in the book of Genesis chapter 11 and chapter 10, where he uh, wanted to build this great tower, the Tower of Bible, and false religion was instituted there. In fact, if you read historians, it's not in biblical writings, the fact that his wife's name was Semiramis, but she is referred, by the way, as the queen of heaven, Nimrod I'm talking about, and yet they had a child named Tammuz. Tammuz is mentioned in the book of Ezekiel, and yet uh, there, there's a parallel between Tammuz, this false religion who was a savior of the world by that time in the book of Ezekiel, and Tammuz, according to tradition, was killed by a wild hog, a wild boar, and yet was resurrected from the dead. And so all of this is transpiring in the Old Testament times, leading up even to the New Testament times, and furthermore, the worship of Baal and Ashtoreth, false gods. There's a lot of false gods today. And so, so this is not a mystery in control spiritually the Lord is allowing and I dare say this is why I'm so encouraged that uh, when we come to church uh, we get in the Word of God because we want to know what is not only past present but future so that we'll be better servants of the Lord God is in control spiritually upon her forehead was named mr. Babylon I've already told you who it is and according to Bible scholars and according to Scripture, Mr. Babylon is a false religion. And the great, the mother of harlots, all this is playing in the plan of God, the sovereignty of God. Yes, he's decreed it to happen so. Sometimes we wonder, God, if you're sovereign, why is all this happening? Lord, if you're really in control, why did my mother get sick? Why did my daddy die? Lord, why are you taking so many Christian people? Lord, why am I going through all these hardships if you're in control? I know my preacher says you're in control, but I look around me and it seems like everything's out of control. I don't know whether to believe him or not. Yeah, that's exactly where we're at. And it becomes a test of faith. Are we going to believe the Lord? Not our circumstances, not our feelings, but believe what God says and put our life in his hands. Come what may. Have you purpose in your heart? No matter what you go through, no matter hardships, no matter troubles or trials, you're going to serve God anyway. That's a good place to say amen right there. 
Because I'll tell you what, a lot of people fall out with God when they go through a problem, something happens, they get mad at God. Can you all hear me? I said they get mad at God, they get upset with God, they don't say it, and they don't tell you that, but that deep down in the heart, they're mad at God. God, why would you allow me to be hurt like this? Lord, why do I have to go to this, through this abuse? Lord, why am I having to go through a broken home? Lord, why am my friends betraying me? Lord, if you really love me, why am I inflicted with this disease? Why am I handicapped, God? All these questions run through our mind. Is God really in control? Hey, could he stop the coronavirus? Sure he could. Has God got our attention? Absolutely. And the woman was drunken with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And you better believe it. God's people are going to be more and more persecuted these days. And I think more of our freedoms are being taken away and will be taken away. For example, did y'all hear about John MacArthur suing the state of California? Why? Because they shut down the church doors. Did y'all hear about that? I'm talking about things going on in our world. Now, I did read last night where the judge has uh, agreed to let them have church services there. But we're talking about drawing a fine line here. Yeah, God is in control. Things are going to be happening more and more. Mark it down. There's a crowd. There's a, the devil's real. And, and, and so the Lord Jesus is real too. But I'm telling you what's happening. My pastor friend told me this. Y'all take this the right way. I know there's a lot of people right now that are listening by way of live stream. You've got health issues, underlying issues and you're real concerned, we understand that, and we're, we're praying that you shouldn't take risk and all of that. I know everybody's watching the news, 178,000 people have died, 168 right now in America. I'm not talking necessarily to those who are facing health underlying issues, but I am talking to, watch this, there's a crowd of people out there that aren't, and they're just using this as an excuse not to come to church. I love you, but I gotta tell you that, and see, I tell you what, it's really separating the men from the boys and the ladies from the girls at a time like this. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you there's a lot of people who claim to be spiritual and only the FBI can find them. I'm not being critical. I'm, I'm serious as I can be. And my pastor friend said, Pastor Randy, you're going to see who's really serious about God versus those who just want to serve God conveniently. I'm not talking about everybody. I'm just talking about there's some that, that uh, the enemy is using, and if we're not careful, we can buy into the lies of the devil, false worship, false religion. Oh, I could be religious right here at home. I would be religious right here in my house and neighborhood. Yeah, you can. But then you've got to deal with other passages like Hebrews 10 25, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as a matter of some. If you're providentially hindered, you're providentially hindered. But if you're not providentially hindered, what's the problem? You want God to get on your level instead of you get on God's level. Can I get a witness? I'm just being honest. I'm being honest. Am I not being honest? I could sugarcoat it. I could tickle your ears and tell you what you want to hear. But I love you too much to know that you'll stand before the Lord Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ if you're really saved. And you'll have to answer for you. And, and by the way, as your pastor, I've got to give an account too. That's why I'm telling you. Read Hebrews 13, verse 17. So that's why I'm just being lovingly sharing with you. And if you're not careful, you can begin to deceive yourself thinking that you're where you ought to be and yet not obeying the Word of God. And the next thing you know, you set yourself up for a false religion and you become your own God. And the next thing you know, you've got blind spots and God is trying to bring you into His will and yet you're fighting against that and the whole time justifying not obeying God. 
I know what you're going to think about me, those of you listening. You say, that pastor, he's legalistic. No, I'm talking about love for Jesus. The love of Christ constrains us. And I'm not saying, again, those providentially hindered, those dealing with, I had to clarify because some people listen and say, but brother pastor, you know, and I understand that. Hey, we've sent out that. But there's a lot of Christians I know that are, that, 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 uh, are uh, doing their own thing, okay? So, you, I love you, I just got to tell you that. In control spiritually. In fact, last week as I was sharing the Word of God, Tuesday night I shared the Word of God, a lady and her husband left. Everybody left the church except for me and the pastor, Brother Jerry. We stood at the back door. This lady and her husband went out to the parking lot. And the Lord had me to preach on the second coming. I'm telling you, God's honoring His Word. To Him be glory. Thank you for praying for us. You have a blessing. Listen to this. This dear woman came inside. She came inside the church. This woman came back inside the church with her husband. And you know what she said? She said this to me. She said, she said Brother uh, Pastor, I need to know something. She said, I need to know, uh, do you believe that people can be saved after the rapture of the church? A lot of people that sit there and listen to messages like this, they're thinking, okay, okay. And maybe, maybe some of you are thinking the same thing. Well, I shared with her, I said, first let Pastor Jerry, I'm under his authority. When I'm in another church, I'm not the pastor, he is. I'm under his authority. Hello, God honors authority, not only in the home, not only in our world, but in the church too. And I'm under Pastor Jerry's authority. I said, Pastor Jerry, you answer that. I'm just here to be a blessing to you. I'm on missions from New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. I'm going to be a blessing because I want the blessing back home at New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. Anyway, he answered her and then I answered her concerning that some people believe that once you've heard the gospel it's over you will never be saved after that even during the tribulation according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 through 11 God will show give them a strong delusion you can read that but anyway I'm going to tell you about this woman I said secondly there's some who say you can be saved even after you've heard the gospel but I said this and Pastor Jerry said I wouldn't take a chance in it now I looked at this dear lady and I said she's 49 years old I looked at her and I said after we answered and everything was good and they were about ready to leave, I said, wait a minute. I'm wondering if you're asking for a reason. Tears began to well up in her eyes. She said, yes. I said, is it somebody you know? Are you concerned about a loved one? Tears began to well up in her eyes. She said, yes. I said, who? She said, me. Me. God burdened my heart to pray for that dear lady. That was on Tuesday night. And we talked a little bit then, and I was praying for that dear lady all week long. At night, I'd wake up, and the Lord had her on my heart. God save her. God save her. God save her. And then, praise the Lord, on Friday night, very last night, just two nights ago, God broke through, and the presence of God was there. To Him be glory. And this dear lady, <laughs> standing in the way back where Brother Eddie and Marcia are, there was one invitation, another, and people were coming, and God blessed us and met with us. It was just a tremendous time together and seeking God. And anyway, here they come, her husband and her. She hits the altar, begins to cry and weep and cry out to God. <laughs> and Pastor Jerry met with them, and Pastor Jerry opened the Bible and shared with her how to have a relationship with God. And she cried out and said, I'm going to heaven. About five minutes later, after praying, she said, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. And the whole church erupted with hallelujah, hallelujah. She's going to heaven. She's going to heaven. One soul was saved. I want to tell you, church, you had a part in that.
That's not impressive, is it? Nah, nah, it's not impressive. It ought to be. God says, what if a man profit again the whole world loses his own soul? And if you can't be happy and thrilled over somebody that was saved, you need to get your heart right with God. A lot of God's people are complacent, indifferent, don't care. They're not moved by things. And I love you, but I'm telling you, we bought into a lot of stuff if we're not in tune with God and what God's doing. Hey, church, I love you. But I'll tell you, when God saves a soul or God revives a soul, man, it is just, we eat, drink, sleep that. And you had a part in it as your church family on missions. Now, is God in control spiritually? Yes. Is God in control politically? Absolutely. We've already alluded to that, this mystery. Is God in control politically? Yes. The ten kings, they're ten horns, and uh, they are in operation. Is God in control spiritually? Yes. Is God in control politically? Yes. Is God in control militarily? Yes. Is God in control eternally? Absolutely, absolutely. This beast, this Antichrist, will step on the scene at the beginning of the tribulation, co confirming that covenant. Let me just say this. I know my time's gone. Can I just go about five minutes more? If y'all are okay with that, raise your hand. If you don't want me to do it, raise your hand. All right, thank you. Five more minutes. The Abrahamic Accord, it just transpired on Thursday of last week. What is this? How does this fit in God's scenario? This isn't something I made up. This isn't something I made put in a book. President Trump, along with Benjamin Netanyahu, along with the Jordanian government, along with the Egyptian government, along with the uh, Palestinians, Arabs, and such. Now, this will, more details will unfold, but God's been speaking to my heart. I'm going to share briefly three thoughts, and I'll be able to develop it maybe later in a YouTube. I don't have time right now. Geographically, politically, and then personally. First, geographically. The Bible teaches in the book of Leviticus chapter 25, God said, I've given you that land, Israel. It's not for sale. Y'all hear me. I know you're going to throw eggs at me. That's all right. I'm going to say it anyway. The day that our president, whom I love and I pray for daily, and, but the day our president starts giving away land that God gave Israel, we're in trouble as a nation. We're in trouble as a nation. And number two, God said it in Leviticus 25. I didn't. God said, I gave you that land. I don't care what kind of compromise there are. I don't care if there's a political thing going on. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's where we're at today. Hello? Today. Secondly, not only that, but what about uh, the prophetical implications? Do you know where uh, this is heading? I can tell you where this is heading. God's already pronounced judgment on the Edomites. In the book of Obadiah, the whole chapter of Obadiah describes what God said is going to happen to that crowd that burned the temple. Y'all, we just need to get in the book and find out what God's saying to us these days and how it applies to everyday life. Not only that, but the book of Ezekiel, God said that he's going to pronounce judgment on the crowd. Now, by the way, personally, you know that's Jacob and Esau, two Nations warring in the womb of Rebekah. I'm taking you back to the book of Genesis. They've been at war since day one. Esau, the Edomites. Jacob, the Israelites. And not to mention Ishmael. Oh, is the Bible alive? You better believe it is. Are things happening today that are relevant to the Scripture? Absolutely. Are things running according to God's plan? Absolutely. Now, if, I don't, if that don't get you overwhelmed with God's truth is forever set in heaven... I don't know what will because the Lord is in control spiritually, 
The Lord is in control politically. The Lord is in control militarily. And the Lord is in control eternally. He put it in the hearts of men to fulfill, to decree His will. Now, He's in control right now. Will you let Him have control? Why don't you let Him have control? You want to run the show, don't you? Like I do. You want to be your own boss, don't you? Like I do. You want to tell God what to do, don't you? Like I do. Hey, let God have His way. He's going to rule and overrule no matter what you do and what I do anyway. I'd just rather have the blessings of God. I love you, but I, I know this is straightforward as I can get. But I don't know any other way to say it. I really don't. Two men came forward last week. Watch this. Let God have control of your life, will you? Are you serving the Lord? Two men came forward last week in the revival meeting. I didn't know about this until Friday night. Pastor Jerry said, one of them said they'd be glad to teach they'd be glad to serve in a leadership position in the church. And, and the other said, uh, they'd be glad to serve the Lord. Point is this, when God gets a hold of your life and really gets a hold of your life, it's not what I want to do, it's not my will, but it's coming under His authority, under His Lordship, and letting Him have control of my life. It's not going in a frenzy of activity, God, I'm doing this, and I want you to bless it. Rather, listen, it's getting in on what God's up to and cooperating with Him. The only way to do that is to come before the Lord and really be broken before God and really take our hands off our life and really evaluate, Lord, where have I tried to control things in my life, my thought life, my family life? Where am I anxious? Where am I worried? I wonder today if you stand to your feet right now. God is in control. Those listening by way of live stream, will you let God have his way right now? Let him have his way. You say, but I've done that. Do it again. Have you done it today? I tell you, it's not a bad thing. See if you agree with me. Y'all listen. Daily. Daily. Some of you need to pay, maybe follow through a believer's baptism. Some of you need to be saved for the first time. Some of us today need to get in the will of God. Some of us today need to start being concerned about your legacy, your testimony, your ministry. God's called you to ministry. Hello, you're a Christian. Yes, he has. He's called me. Time's running out. God is in control. Yes, he is. What is he saying to you right now? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. <laughs> what is he saying to you? I'll tell you what he tells me all the time. Randy Reese, who do you think you are? Don't try to tell me what to do. He don't say it just like that, but he does say it. Son, you need to come under my authority and stop trying to tell me what to do. I say, oh God, I'm sorry. Lord, I've got a stubborn streak in me. I've got a self-righteous attitude. I feel critical at times. I believe I'm speaking for many people right now. Who is it in your life right now? How many right now? Your family. You hadn't let God, you hadn't really put them in God's hands to let him have control. You're going to do that right now. How many say, Pastor, I need to put my family in God's control right now again. All right, thank you. Two hands, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes, yes, yes. How many would say today, 
I, I need to let God control my thought life. I'll admit, and I'm preaching to myself here, I'll admit my thought life sometimes runs away with me, and next thing you know, I get distracted because my thought life. How many say that? Amen? Thank you. I would say that myself. And uh, maybe there's some other things the Lord's dealing with you about. Maybe you've been living in fear and anxiety, and you've been battling it. Maybe you've really been depressed. Hey, look, depressed. And I know there's different physiological reasons, chemical imbalances that can play into factor and all this stuff, but often spiritual things do as well. How many of y'all listening by way of live stream are going through time a test right now and you can't control it you know you can't control it but today you're going to lift up your hands you're going to lift up your eyes you're going to say oh god my life is in your hands my future is in your hands my family is in your hands my finances are in your hands oh god you're the potter i'm the clay you're the creator i'm the creation you are my lord you're my god and i pray dear lord You'll have your will and way with me. I cast my burden on you right now. Things I've been stressed over, things I've been worried over that I cannot manipulate. I want to bring them now to you. For you said cast your burden on the Lord. You're in control, oh God. How many have been looking at the news and all the political hype and stuff and it's going to intensify in the weeks to come and you've forgotten God is in control. God is in control. Oh, blessed Lord, move on our hearts today. Change us, we pray. Have, have your will and way now. Help us not to run. Help us not to excuse. Help us, Lord, not to blame. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you for lifting burdens. Thank you for breakthroughs. Thank you for things we can't, oh, Lord, figure out and understand. We just ask you now for your grace and your peace. And your presence in our heart. In these days, in Jesus' name, amen.